If you're passionate about your ride, you're in the right place. Todd Bianco is talking cars, trucks, crossovers, electric and hybrid vehicles, and amazing auction and used car finds. This is All Revved Up from iHub Radio. Here's Todd. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I know my voice sounds a little lower at this time, but uh, the doctor thinks it might be just allergies. Who knows? So uh, let's get started with some news. Uh, gosh, everything seems to be electric these days, and this isn't even a you know a Tesla this time. So let's start with Polestar. Uh, Polestar is the sort of premium sub-brand of Volvo, but it's been split off into its separate brand. And it's also, you know, so they're all owned by uh, Geely, which is a uh, Chinese holding company, which has its own other brands like Link and Company. And uh, uh, they have their own Geely branded cars. So Polestar announced that its first all-electric SUV called the Polestar 3 is due in 2022 and will be built in the United States. Uh, the company won't be building a new factory, however. It plans to build the Polestar 3 for U.S. customers alongside alongside Volvo cars uh, in um, Volvo's factory, which is in Ridgeville, South Carolina. The Polestar 3, which will be about the size of a Mustang Mach-E or a Tesla Model Y, will be built uh, on a dedicated electric platform developed by Volvo and parent company Geely. Uh, it's the modular modular platform uh, due to um, form the basis for future EVs from Volvo, including the electric Volvo XC90, uh, which probably is going to be very popular when they, they bring that out. Polestar wants to build uh, cars in the United States for U.S. customers. Um, it also was, you know, reduces delivery times and, you know, it actually saves money on the price because they don't have to worry about how long, you know, how much it costs to ship it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's also better for the environment. So that's good. I'm glad to see that they're going to do that. Uh, Ford's luxury brand Lincoln has confirmed that its first battery electric model will arrive in 2022, another one in 2022, and it's one of four EVs that will be part of a full portfolio of connected and electrified vehicles by 2020, I mean by 2030. Uh, Lincoln didn't give much details about the future products. But it's part of Ford's planned investment of $30 billion in, in electrification by 2025. Uh, since the planned arrival is uh, next year, it's highly likely that the new SUV will be built off the Mustang Mach-E platform. Uh, the company says that its first fully electric model will deliver a, quote, more spacious cabin with strikingly modern aesthetics, whatever that means. Uh, and... Uh, and an, 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 an evolved version of the Lincoln Star. So I get it's just going to be a slightly new logo on the car. Uh, the interior, uh, see, they said strikingly modern, and it's going to have a large panoramic sunroof. Sounds familiar. It'll have storage solutions, and it's described as a truly rejuvenating space. Boy, well, that's a lot of marketing crap, isn't it? Uh, okay, well, good for them. Uh, and a cost to and a coast to coast display, whatever that means, uh, with selective selectable themes to fit the mood. Boy, uh, I just want it to work really well. Um, how about uh, do you live in California and did you order a 2022 Porsche 911 GT3 with a six speed manual transmission? Well, there's bad news. Why? Because it's too loud. 
2022 9-11 GT3 with the, the manual transmission exceeds noise limits in California's uh, code of regulations. You can switch your order to the standard seven-speed dual-clutch automatic version, which does pass the noise test. Now, this is going to piss off a few customers, but only a few because this is a you know very expensive, pretty much race-focused type of car. It's not a, something that you know you drive daily usually, and it's one going to be anybody that owns one of these is going to be one of many in their collection. So it's bad news for those people who wanted that particular uh, car <clears throat> with that particular, you know, manual transmission, which are become, becoming more and more rare. Uh, Remick, uh, the Croatian electric car maker, is going public. Uh, Remick makes insanely fast and sophisticated hypercars. Uh, the company has attracted big investments from Porsche and Hyundai. Um, citing a German magazine, Reuters reports that Rimmick is aiming to go public next year with a valuation of $6 billion. The company will also take will, will also uh, soon take over Bugatti, uh, which is uh, which is uh, you know taking a 55% stake in the French icon, with the remaining 45% going to Porsche. Currently, Bugatti is owned 100% by the Volkswagen uh, AG, which is the parent company of Porsche. And while Rimmick has uh, built a handful of hyper, you know, electric hypercars, um, know that Rimmick isn't really trying to be an automaker as such. It's using its own cars to promote its advanced EV tech, uh, which it hopes to sell to major OEMs. It's a strategy that's uh, actually working. Uh, if Porsche's 24% stake in the, in the in the company and Hyundai's 14% stake are any indications, they they are interested in their tech. They're not interested in a, you know, a three million euro hypercar. Uh, I mean, that's that's cool, but they're interested in the tech and the uh, you know the electronics that go with it. Uh, and res- with respect to Bugatti, um, you know, it's almost certain that uh, Volkswagen, you know, they've already buried a ton, a ton of money into this car. I mean, into that company. And it was sort of a pet project of Ferdinand Piak, who used to be the uh, the chairman of Volkswagen AG. And, uh, you know, it's a, you know, it has a big uh, W16 uh, engine. It's, you know, the fastest car on record, uh, you know, 240 something miles per hour. Uh, you know, they three million dollars each. They're hand built, blah blah blah. But I think the, that that they see is the future of this of Bugatti is basically electrification, and uh, Rimmick is probably a good uh, good choice to electrify Bugatti. And so I think that's what's going to happen. It's going to be electrified by Rimmick. Uh, a GM has asked the EPA for a redefined policy for vehicle greenhouse gas regulations, uh, including its support, believe it or not, for California's policy direction. Uh, GM is looking for what they call a compliance pathway. Uh, what does that mean? It's a co- it's really code for flexibility. National standards through uh, model year 2026 uh, would coincide with either the lacks uh, with neither. You know, they would, you know, the national standards would not coincide with either the lax Trump era rules nor the stricter Obama era rules. Instead, they, they, you know, they'd align with the compromise voluntary agreements that automakers reached with California in 2019 and 2020. Uh, so GM wants to transition to California rules, but on a national level. It says, quote, uh, we believe an electric vehicle pathway is a key to 
setting the industry on an irreversible path towards a zero emissions future, which can only be achieved with a tailpipe-free light-duty fleet. Uh, In the same letter, uh, GM CEO Mary Barra uh, also noted that such a pathway would provide, naturally the phone rings at this time, uh, would provide um, uh, time to build an EV infrastructure uh, and coordinated, you know, and coordinated policies to help meet the Paris climate objectives and to provide an, a model for 2027 through 2035 objectives. Okay, well, I'm glad GM's on board with doing something there <clears throat> before they had opposed it. Uh, the 2022 Lexus NX is going to get the RAV4 Prime treatment. Now, the Lexus NX is essentially a gussied up Toyota RAV4. Uh, the RAV4 Prime, which is the plug-in version, has been v- extremely popular, but Toyota has had a problem, has had problems delivering them because they just don't have enough batteries to do them. They're built in Japan and they're shipped here. Uh, and they're generally sold out uh, just about any dealer you go to. Uh, so the NX has always uh, been based on, you know, this you know gigantic RAV, you know, the, the hit of the RAV4, which is, I think, Toyota's best-selling vehicle right now. Uh, Toyota had trouble cranking out enough RAV4 primes to meet demand with all the battery constraints. Uh, never, nevertheless, the 2022 Lexus NX450H Plus God, the name NX450H Plus is born. It delivers 300 horsepower with a system with a system very closely related to the RAV4 Prime. Uh, in the Prime, which goes 42 miles on a charge and can go from zero to 60 in 5.7 seconds, a separate boost converter allows more power to be drawn from the 18.1 kilowatt hour battery pack for short bursts of power. The system is slightly more robust than it than in the RAV4 because the NX weighs more. Uh, charging the NX450H Plus takes just 2.5 hours with the optional 6.6 kilowatt hour onboard charger. It should be standard. Or 4.5 hours with the standard 3.3 kilowatt unit. Uh, the NX Hybrid, however, called the NX350H, which is the same as the you know RAV4 Hybrid, gets updates that are in line with the RAV4 Hybrid sister. Uh, California-based Canoe, C-A-N-O-O, Look them up if you haven't seen them. They have some pretty cool-looking electric proposed vehicles from you know these you know cab forward you know nothing in front looks like an old VW bus but it's riding on a skateboard platform. They're they're really very cool. Anyway, so uh, they plan to use Netherlands VDL Nedcar uh, and its con- as its contract manufacturing partner. It it is also it also presented more information about its business model and intended products. Uh, Nedcar has already been working with Canoe on manufacturability and product planning, and will and it will oversee production of the fully electric thirty four thousand seven hundred and fifty dollar lifestyle vehicle at a production facility established in Oklahoma. For the United States and Europe, uh, Nedcar, which currently builds the Mini Countryman under contract in the Netherlands, will oversee the canoe. What Canoe calls Phase One production, uh, targeted at 1,000 vehicles in 2022. That's not a lot. Uh, meanwhile, the EV maker will uh, build its own Phase Two factory in Oklahoma, where Nedcar will continue as the production partner, and the target is about 15,000 vehicles annually. Again, not enough to be profitable at $35,000. It's just not. 
the technical layout of the vehicles hasn't changed. Canoe claims an industry an industry first drive by wire uh, technical layout of the vehicle, you know, for the systems, which includes steering by wire. There are no cars on the on the market right now with steering by wire, um, and, and that so that the way the way that is, the, it affords easy front, rear, all-wheel drive systems. Uh, <clears throat> each drive unit is expected to produce about 350 horsepower. So that you know the the the, the front or back. So if you combine them, you're looking at 700 horsepower. Uh, and the battery modules are the 2170 format. The 2170 just gives you the the size. It's 21 millimeters by 70 millimeter uh, cylindrical format that are uh, structurally uh, integrated. Uh, within the, uh, the car in another case. It sounds very, very Tesla-like. The problem for Canoe is finding a way for profitability given its projected low volume. Uh, the EPA has published fuel economy ratings for a highly anticipated 2022 Jeep Grand Wagoneer. And you will be very shocked at how bad it is. And when we get back, we'll talk about that. This is Todd Bianco, all wrapped up on IHAP Radio. We'll be right back. need your help now. Help us help them. The Folkelson Family Foundation and Jewish Family Service of the Desert collaborated to form the Family Assistance Program. The need is great. JFS has heard from over 400 families who still need help. Together, we are there to fill the gap. Call 760-325-4088. It is estimated that 50% of the Coachella Valley households have had detrimental financial effect due to COVID-19. Job loss, decreased hours are just a couple obstacles facing local families. Please call today and consider a donation at any level, which is distributed to qualifying households for crucial necessities such as food and medications, overdue rent, and minor home repairs. Each and every dollar goes to help vulnerable families in the Coachella Valley. Phone 760-325-4088 or visit jfsdesert.org. From Detroit and beyond, Todd's talking about trucks, cars, vans, SUVs, and even the occasional dune buggy. It's all revved up on iHub Radio. Welcome back. Well, the uh, 2022 Jeep Grand Cherokee Wagoneer, I mean, the Jeep Grand Wagoneer is definitely not uh, what we would call an environmentally friendly uh, EV, which has been sort of the theme of the news this week. Uh, It has been uh, rated by the EPA. Now, remember, it's a massive body on frame uh, SUV, so they're using the Ram 1500 platform. Uh, It has a 6.4 liter V8, uh, and she's a thirsty beast. 
Uh, the four-wheel drive version gets just 18 miles per gallon on the highway and a very painful 13 miles per gallon in the city for a combined rating of 15 miles per gallon. Uh, that's really tough. I mean, the Cadillac Escalade, a uh, natural competitor for the uh, the Grand Wagoneer, which is also a massive beast, uh, uses a you know another gigantic uh, naturally aspirated V8, but it manages a whopping 14 miles per gallon in the city and 19 miles per gallon on the highway, so it gets one better each way. And then the uh, <clears throat> the good news is that there uh, the Jeep Grand Ch- the Jeep Grand Wagoneer has horsepower bragging rights. Uh, as it p- output is uh, 471 horsepower, while the Caddy, uh, a small, slightly smaller V8, only puts out 420 horsepower. Uh, the Lincoln Navigator splits the difference at 450 horsepower, but the Lincoln uses a twin-turbo V6 powertrain good for 16 miles per gallon in the city and 20 miles per gallon on the highway with four-wheel drive. Uh, well, I guess, you know, th- these are very expensive luxury barges, um, you know, it used to be that these were sedans and now these are big SUVs because that's what people want these days. And they cost easily near $100,000. So if you're buying one, frankly, you don't care that it costs $100 to fill up your tank every time and you have to fill it up quite frequently. Uh, the EPA has rated the Mustang Mach-E GT and GT Performance electric SUV uh, and both versions are exceeding the projected mileage that Ford had previously suggested. Uh, the Mustang Mach-E Performance will be rated at 270 miles of range, while the Mach-E GT will be rated at 260 miles. Ford had previously estimated the range would be about 250 miles and 300, and, I mean, and 235 miles respectively, although it's not quite up to the 303 miles currently posted by the 2021 Tesla Model Y Performance. Uh, one other close rival to, to watch will be the 2022 Kia EV6. Uh, both the Mach-E GT models uh, will come only with the larger 88-kilowatt-hour battery. Ford has also suggested that future range and performance boosts are possible via over-the-air updates. Uh, so far, uh, those updates are slated to bring Amazon Alexa connectivity and Blue Cruise, which is uh, their version of the, you know, like a autopilot type of thing, uh, to the Mustang uh, Mach E. We will see. Now, I mean, have you ever had to have? Have you ever had Alexa in the car? I have Alexa in my Tesla. It's a, it's a little tiny module that you just simply just plug in, uh, and it goes and it you know connects through the Alexa app on your phone, and you can just talk to Alexa, and she can do whatever you can do from your phone. So if I want Alexa to play something from my uh, my music catalog, I tell her what to play. She usually gets it right. Or I can tell her to play my audio book, or I can tell her to play a channel on Sirius XM. Uh, she can do all that, and it's actually pretty good. The voice recognition is pretty good as long as you have a voice that uh, sounds okay. I, when I wake up in the morning, sometimes Alexa does not recognize me. Sorry to say. This week, Audi mapped out its plan to shift to electric, uh, you know, all electric uh, uh, mobility, basically. Uh, Only EVs will be produced uh, from 2026 forward. Uh, The car maker will will end sales of gas and diesel power models by 2033. Uh, That deadline might change based on customer response and legislation. 
Audi tells the uh, e-tron GT. Uh, Audi sells the e-tron GT SUV, the e-tron Sportsback, which is a you know the coupe version of the e-tron SUV. Uh, then there's the e-tron GT, which is Audi's version of the Porsche Taycan, which will launch later this year. And there is an upcoming Q4 e-tron, an affordable compact uh, uh, SUV, which will be coming in 2022. And naturally, it will be an e-tron Q4 e-tron Sportback. The, Know, the coupe version of that so a lot of things are happening in audi uh, this is todd bianco you're listening to all ripped up on ihab radio and we will be right back Bianco talking cars and trucks on iHub Radio's All Revved Up. Here's Todd. Audi won't be doing that until 2026. Uh, that's when they will start. They won't make another. Uh, they will only produce uh, new uh, EVs after that date. And, you know, that's and they'll still be producing cars that are, you know, gas and diesel. But that's the 20 after 2026. They're only going to make electric, but they'll still be selling uh, some other, uh, you know, fossil fuel powered cars. Uh, a lot of this is being driven by regulation. And that was one of the things that Audi said in their plans that it might change uh, based on regulations. And let's just look at where, where things are going. Um the country of Norway uh, says that by 2025, all new vehicle sales must be electric. South Korea, a fairly large market, they have 2025, all new vehicles must be electric. Belgium, not as big, but okay. 2026, uh, new company cars must be electric. And there's a lot of, uh, that. that's how a lot of people get a car is through with their employer. That's a very different thing than we have here in the United States. Uh, in Austria, by 2027, all new taxis or car share uh, companies like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lyft or, or Uber uh, will have to be electric. Uh, the state of Washington, 2027, uh, the government fleet will be all electric. Uh, Slovenia, okay, uh, by 2030, all new vehicles. By Iceland, 2030, all new vehicles. Uh, Netherlands, 2030, all new vehicles. Denmark, 2030, all new vehicles. Ireland, 2030, all new vehicles. Israel, 2030, all new vehicles. Sweden, 2030, all new vehicles. India, India, 2030, all new vehicles. Germany, 2030, all new vehicles. United Kingdom, 2030, all new vehicles. Scotland, a 2032. All new vehicles. Japan, 2020, I mean 2035, all new vehicles. California, 2035, all new vehicles. China, 2040, all new vehicles. Singapore, 2040, all new vehicles. Uh, Sri Lanka, 2040, all new vehicles. 
Taiwan, uh, 2040, buses are by 2030, motorcycles by 2035, and uh, all cars by 2040. Canada, 2040, all new vehicles. Uh, France, 2040, all new vehicles. Spain, 2040, all new vehicles. Portugal, 2040, all new vehicles. Egypt, 20, Egypt is on the list. How about that? Uh, 2040, all new vehicles. New Jersey, 2040, all new vehicles. District of Columbia, 2045, kind of light, guys. Uh, government and private fleets must be electric. Uh, Costa Rica, 2050, a little late. Colorado 2050, a little late, all new vehicles. So this is where things are going. But if you're talking about large markets, you know, California is the largest market in the United States. And if we actually do it in California, it's going to drive the rest of the United States to go in the same direction. Uh, but large markets like Germany and, and India, for God's sake, uh, United Kingdom, um, Japan, South Korea, you know, these are all fairly large markets for cars. Uh, they're not like China, but China is aggressively pushing uh, EVs. I, I, there are so many new startups there. They are going to eat the rest of the world as far as the EV manufacturing. Uh, so we better step it up here if we're going to even compete with uh, China on that kind of thing. Um, uh, some more news. I will, Let's talk about uh, uh, Toyota uh, posted official photos of its new 2022 Tundra full-size truck. It is gigantic. The face of that is gigantic. So they basically took a, a page from everything that Ford and GM and, and, and Ram have done, and they've made these gigantic faces of the, of the truck. Uh, the, the one that they posted shows this. Uh, it's a TRD, which is their sort of off-road and you know sort of rugged division. They've got this gigantic LED light bar right in the middle of the, of this grill. Um, and the interior, actually, they've posted a couple of pictures of that, and it actually looks pretty nice. Uh, but Toyota hasn't redesigned the Tundra for you know over a decade, uh, and it's not going to uh, it's not going to be outdone, I guess, this time. Uh, Tundra is being built on a new modular truck platform that will also underpin the next generation Tacoma, which is a much smaller car. The four, I mean, much 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 smaller truck. The Forerunner, again, based on the Tacoma, and then the Sequoia, which is uh, based on which has always been their biggest SUV, and it's based on the uh, uh, the Tundra. So, yeah, wow. Uh, they're also going to ditch the 5.7 liter VH, which, V8, which has been in there for decades. Uh, they're going to use a new twin turbo V6 expected to power uh, the Tundra as well as a hybrid version, you know, a hybrid option. You need to Google the pictures of the new Tundra to really appreciate it. Um, and speaking of that, uh, big trucks. There's a there was a whole article that was posted in Consumer Reports, I believe, about the hidden danger of big trucks. Uh, uh, big pickup trucks are getting larger and becoming a hazard to pedestrians and drivers of smaller vehicles. No, no shit, Sherlock. Uh, anyway, uh, last December, an 18-year-old man driving a 2020 Jeep Gladiator uh, pickup truck hit the hit and killed Eva Barzka uh, near her suburban New Jersey home. Uh, the woman had been taking a walk like so many Americans during the COVID-19 pandemic. Her husband of 60 years found her lying in a crosswalk, crying in pain from broken bones and, and from serious internal injuries. Hours later, she died in the hospital. She was a teacher, a grandmother, and an avid gardener, blah, blah, blah. Um, the driver told the police he didn't even see her in the crosswalk, and he, was, he wasn't he was cited or charged. Um, in the aftermath... Um, 
the, the daughter says that she has started working with groups of families for safe streets, which is asking new, the New York legislature to uh, lower speed limits in urban areas, all that kind of stuff. And we'll see if any of that gets happened. You know, nobody wants to slow down these days anyway. But uh, let's see. The what they said is the hood of a gladiator is forty five point five inches high. Uh, they measure measurements. Uh, they marketed uh, that, that that they took uh, like Consumer Reports actually took, um, and it's marketed by Jeep as a vehicle that can conquer the road. It's part of a cultural phenomenon with enduring consumer demand for bigger everyday trucks, some of which don't come with important safety features as standard equipment. Uh, research, research has also found that modern pickups, which have tall hoods, large blind spots, and stiff body-on-frame designs, which can often exceed 4,000 pounds easily, uh, are practically are pr- particularly deadly in crashes with pedestrians and smaller, lighter vehicles. Well, again, that seems pretty obvious. Um, let's see. So they contacted Stellantis, which is the parent company of Jeep. And, you know, they said, oh, condolences, you know, thoughts and prayers, those kinds of things. Uh, the uh, industry analysis, uh, they did an, an analysis of the industry data shows that the hood heights of passenger trucks has increased by an average of at least 11% since 2000. And that new pickup trucks grew 24% heavier on average from 2000 to 2018. On some heavy-duty trucks, such as the Ford F-150, such as the Ford F-250, the front edge of the hood is now 55 inches or more off the ground, as tall as the roof of some sedans. Uh, Their new data shows that drivers have poor front sight lines, creating blind spot that can hide a pedestrian or smaller car right in front of them. Uh, These trends are alarming. Uh, Yeah, no kidding. Automakers must put safety first. Yeah, sure. Um, So more than 42,000 people were killed and 4.8 million seriously injured on the U.S. roadways last year, uh, an 8% increase from the year before, despite a decrease in miles traveled. Pedestrian fatalities rose 46% over the past decade, according to the Governor's Highway As- As- Safety Association. And the deaths, I mean, that's not funny, but I was just like, wow, 46%. And the deaths uh, reflected societal in- in- inequities. Low-income people are more likely to be struck, they're walking. Elderly pedestrians and wheelchair users are at higher risk, no kidding, when hit by a vehicle. And black, Hispanic, and indigenous, indigenous people are overrepresented in pedestrian crash fatalities. Uh, the reasons for the rising death toll are complex, but with many, as you know, with many variables, including more driver distraction. But a growing body of research indicates that the um, the increasing dimensions of pickup trucks may be contributing to the deadliness of crashes, especially when one hits a person, a cyclist, or smaller vehicle. Um, <laughs> so they've they've got a you know they've got a they went through uh, you know uh, pickups that uh, lack key protective tech. Uh, and uh, the Chevy Colorado is right up there at the top. Uh, I'm sorry, you know th- th- that doesn't have uh, like automatic emergency braking at city speed, or automatic emergen- or automatic braking uh, with pedestrian detection or blind spot warning. Uh, they've got a lot of these that just don't have them. They don't have them as standard. Um, you know, at least most of them offer them as options at least. But, you know, like the F-150 has a couple of them as standards. So does the Ford Ranger, 
uh, the Honda Ridgeline has uh, them standard, except for blind spot warning. Uh, who else has got good standard equipment? Uh, Nissan Titan has all three of these features standard. Uh, the Nissan Titan uh, Heavy Duty has the all three standard. Uh, let's see, the Toyota Tacoma has two of the three. The current Toyota Tundra has two of the three. So, you know, there are some, but a lot of these are, are optional. And if you are buying a truck like this, you really should be getting these kinds of features because you really, you know, you don't see things. Have you ever driven one of these big cars? I mean, they are just massive. So it's it's not a shock that, that things are up and more and more people are buying these as their, you know, their daily drivers. You know, there's usually like one person in this truck and just, you know, out doing errands. So it's not just tradespeople and, you know, people who are actually working, you know, using them for work every day. There's people who are using them as lifestyle vehicles, which is nothing new. It's just that the trend has increased. And during the pandemic, it even went up higher. Um, you know, that's kind of sad, but that's, you know, that's what it is. Um, let's see. Full-size trucks such as the Ford F-150, Silverado, Chevy Silverado, Ram 1500, Toyota Tundra, and Nissan Titan now hold 79% of the pickup market, up 12% from 2000. So just those ones have 79%. Um, that's most of them anyway, but I mean, you know, there's there's not a lot of other, you know, competitors in that. But um Pickup trucks now account for one of every five, so basically 20% of vehicles sold. One of every five, and and you know these are big ones. You know most of them. There's not a lot of small ones. I mean, I guess the next smallest one coming is going to be the uh, the Ford Maverick, but uh, it won't be out for a little while. Uh, so you know, safety ag advocates say that uh, you know the truck designers uh, could lower hoods or reduce weight. Yeah, good luck. Uh, but automakers are reluctant to do so because pickups are such a major source of profit. Uh, you know, this is all kind of sad stuff, but it's all true. How dangerous some of these trucks are. And it, like again, if you've ever driven one, you know. I actually, I like driving them. I have to say, they're it's it's kind of nice to drive a big truck. You're way up high, and you know, you really are king of the road. But parking them can be a real pain in the ass too. Now, these are not cheap either. I mean, lots of these are easily sixty thousand dollars or more. Uh, so you know. Uh, people are spending that much money, you should be getting all the safety features possible with the truck. But beware that these are dangerous uh, dangerous trucks that you're driving these days. Uh, this is Todd Bianco. You're listening to All Breft Up on iHub Radio, and we will be right back. Bianco's All Revved Up continues on iHub Radio. Participation encouraged, but not required. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Here's Todd. Welcome back. Uh, you know, the the, uh, the information on, or the, you know, the news on, uh, you know, 
the move to electric vehicles just keeps marching on. I mean, this came through just the other, just you know, a few minutes ago. That General Motors and Shell will offer renewable energy solutions to U.S. homeowners, EV owners, and suppliers. The program includes current offerings that can help expand access to renewable energy for GM's customers and suppliers in Texas, and free renewable energy charging hours for GM's EV owners in the coming months. Um, you know, and a lot of this is going to happen at uh, uh, Shell stations as well. And it's going to be done through a wholly owned subsidiary called MP2 Energy LLC from Shell and GM. Uh, I think that this is, you know, just another way that the things are going to start to happen quickly. Because, you know, if these guys are going to make a deal, then somebody else is going to make a deal. And, and it goes on and on. Um, but they're also doing this for, you know, in home. So you're charging at home. Uh, I'm sure that solar panels will somehow be involved suite of, you know, renewable energy products to assistance uh, setting and achieving their individual emissions reductions goals. I mean, yeah, so, you know, it's all marketing crap, but basically, you know, this is where they're going. Uh, let's see what else I have got here. Um, uh, yeah, uh, if you're, are you looking for a new, I mean, new 2018 Dodge Challenger SRT Demon. Um, let's see. Just the other, you know, a couple of weeks ago, one with 12 miles on the, uh, you know, odometer sold for $155,000 on Bring a Trailer. I think I might have even talked about it at the time. The original window sticker on these cars is like $85,000 before some expensive options. Um but back then, you know, in 2018, these were only made. There's only a few, uh, 3,000 of these uh, being made uh, in 2018. There were 840 uh, supercharged horsepower uh, that were, ex you know, these are very fast, basically straight line cars. And you only get 850 horsepower if you stuff, you know, like racing fuel into the damn thing. I mean, you can get those maybe at, you know, an airport or something. But, you know, you can't get them at most gas stations. Uh, but there, like I said, with only 3000 sold, most, most Dodge dealers didn't even get to sell one, let alone a lot of them. You know, they, and they were, you know, they had uh, Dodge put in place these, uh, rules that, you know, there weren't hoarding, hoarding of these things. And they were trying to get, you know, prevent dealers from, from charging ridiculous markups, you know, good luck. Um, so anyway, the, a lot of these were sold and, and, uh, you know, all of them were sold, I bet, basically, except, except there are 12, uh, let's see, how many of them are left now? Let's see, where did we find these? Huntington Beach Dodge. Yeah, Huntington Beach Dodge. Uh, they have like, how many of these? Eight of them. That's right. They have eight of them available right now with zero miles, untitled, sitting on their lot. So there's 2018. So essentially, they're brand new. They've never been titled. So the, you know, the, even the warranty has not started to tick yet. Uh, and they're not supposed to have this many of them, but somehow they have them, and it's not quite clear how they got all eight of them. But they're sitting there. And uh, the the website Jalopnik had uh, prodded them to uh, say, well, how much are you selling these for? Because again, we know that one of them sold for 155,000. I'll bring a trailer. Uh, how much do you want? Well, they want two hundred thousand dollars a piece. Bargains never end, right? Uh, $200,000. So if you want a brand new Dodge Demon, you can head right on over to Huntington Beach Dodge. And I am sure that they would be happy to take your check for $200,000 plus tax. And I'm sure they have a little fees that they throw in there. Um, but is it worth it? I don't know. 
some car collector is going to buy it once the, you know, the word is out that they are even there. I, I don't even know if people knew they were there, but now that the word is out that, that they're there, I think that people are going to go for them. Uh, I don't know how, you know, like I said, there's only eight and we have, you know, uh, three or four, you know, 330 million people in this country. And of those, you know, there's got to be at least one or two that are going to want to waste that kind of money. I see people dropping unbelievable amounts of money on a daily basis on auctions that bring a trailer, which is next hour. John and I will be uh, discussing our auction picks and the results from our uh, picks from last week. And there's some large numbers in there. So we know that there's lots of money in, in the collector community. And these are going to be collector cars because they were only made for one year, only 3,000 of them. So the 2018 Dodge Challenger SRT Demon, get yours now while you can at a bargain of $200,000. You know, people have heard that Elon Musk was going to be moving to Texas, and he has. He's basically sold all of his homes here in California. Now, I'm sure that he, there are still a, two or three homes that are owned jointly with baby mamas or ex-wives because he has a bunch of children. And I think most of them live here in California. At any rate, so uh, they, I'm sure that those are those, but those are for the you know ex-wives and things. Uh, he even had a big party house, I guess, up in the Bay Area that they were keeping because it was a good way to have a you know, fairly inexpensive way for them to do big parties for Tesla and, and SpaceX. But even that got sold. He's moved to Texas and he's living. Uh, and Starbase, Texas. Now, that's what they call this um, this area where SpaceX has its facilities in uh, Boca Chica. Um, he's living in a trailer. Uh, it's a 20 by 20 uh, unit, so it's 400 square feet. It's prefabricated. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, let's see, it's uh, uh, basically $50,000. So it's not that expensive. It costs less, you know, $50,000 is less than the cost of a Model Y long range dual motor, you know, auto drive vehicle. Uh, it's, uh, you know, durable. It's made of concrete panels and steel. Um, it can be installed quickly wherever you wanted it. It can be transported easily. And it's light enough to be pulled by a Model X. And he's basically living on, you know, that that's his, you know, new home. Uh, that doesn't mean he's going to escape uh, income tax in California. Uh, I know that people think that that's just a way to escape tax. However, even on a non-resident basis, uh, you know, a person like him will be taxed based on the number of days he spends in California. So they, you know, divide his income by, you know, you, you've got 365 days in a year and, uh, or, you know, you take the number of work hours or whatever else it is and, and you uh, make a percentage of that and then that's applied to California. But he's going to obviously spend a lot of time in California, both at SpaceX headquarters in Hawthorne and at Tesla headquarters up in uh, Fremont. So, it's not like he's going to just escape tax here, but I think that the big number is going to be if he ever has to sell, you know, the stock, any stock in Tesla. And generally when he, you know, when some of his stock options are expiring, he actually has to, you know, sell them in order to, uh, you know, to, to get the cash to pay the tax. So, you know, there are some things that he does have to do from time to time, but for the most part, he doesn't even get a salary from uh, Tesla or SpaceX. He just works, uh, takes loans against his stock portfolio if he needs any money. So, yeah, there he is in Texas. And next hour, John McClellan and I will be talking Bring a Trailer. We've got some great picks, and it's something to certainly come. Stay tuned for Come Back. This is Todd Bianco. You're listening to All Roofed Up on iHub Radio. We'll be back after this. Thank you. 